Welcome to the Effortless English Show with the world's number one English teacher, AJ Hogue, where AJ's more than 40 million students worldwide finally learn English once and for all without the boring textbooks, classrooms, and grammar drills. Here's AJ with a quick piece to help you learn to speak fluent English effortlessly. I'm AJ Hogue, the author of Effortless English, Learn to Speak English Like a Native. Join my VIP program. Improve your English quickly. Join my VIP program at EffortlessEnglishClub.com EffortlessEnglishClub.com Talking to you today, again, from Osaka, Japan. Hot, hot day in the city. We are in the middle of summer now. Fahrenheit, I think today is 97. If you remember your Fahrenheit from the previous show, 97 is hot. It's hot. It's not warm, it's hot. My shirt is wet from sweating. I'm sitting in a park right now under a tree, so I have some shade, but it is very hot. It's a Clear, clear, clear day today. No clouds at all. Zero clouds. I see no clouds. So just a really hot sun shining down on a hot and humid day. But I like it. What can I say? I like it. I like it. This weather feels like Thailand and I liked living in Thailand. I get depressed in the winter when it's cold and especially because it's dark in the winter. It's so dark. This last winter was terrible. We spent the last winter in America, in Indiana. That's where a lot of my family's from. It's in the middle of the country. And it was cold, lots of snow, cold, cold, cold winter. But the worst part was the darkness. The days are so short. Almost every day is was cloudy dark gray Uh, I get depressed and I don't like it I don't like it so some heat some sweat I don't mind last night I did a show about our book The Book Club book, Chapter 4 of our Rich Dad, Poor Dad book by Robert Kiyosaki. And last night we learned about the power of corporations and why having a corporation, and indeed really just having a business in general, is such a big benefit to you. It allows you to reduce your taxes quite a bit. Because the key point, the key difference is that as a regular person, an employee, they take the taxes immediately from your payment, right? If you make $100,000 per year, then you are taxed on $100,000, right? They, they have a tax rate, a percentage, and they look at how much you're making, and then they immediately take that money. You never see it. You never even get to see it. They take it from your paycheck immediately. It's gone. You're just working for the government. As a business and as a corporation, it's a different situation. You get all of your money, 100% of your money immediately. So let's say you make $100,000 in a year. You get all of the $100,000. Nothing is taken from that in the beginning. And then, with that $100,000, all of it, you then get to spend some of it. Now, if you have personal expenses, that doesn't count. That gives you, that doesn't give you any benefit. You're still taxed on that money. But a lot, a lot, a lot of expenses, a lot of things you buy, can become business expenses, which reduces your official income. So even though you actually made 100000 your company did, you will not be taxed on that. When you file your taxes, you will show a much smaller amount because you get to spend the money first. 
big, big, big difference. That makes a huge difference. It means that in fact, you will be taxed on maybe half or less of your income. Meaning your tax rate will be half or less than an employee's tax rate, making the same amount of money. It's one of the big secrets of the rich. Big, 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 big reason to create a business of some kind, even if it's real estate. Also last night, I talked more about fear. Got a good question. Kind of a similar question, but I finally started getting a better answer to this question of why are people afraid? Why are people afraid, right? You can tell in the last several shows, the last few weeks, I keep asking this question. What are people afraid of? A lot of fear in the comments. A lot of fear on my Twitter. A lot of fear in Facebook, on Instagram. In the live shows. And I keep asking, what's, what's the fear? What's the fear? What's the fear? And, and last night, I think I really found more of the root answer, which is fear of the unknown. It's fear of the unknown. People are just afraid because it's so unknown. The thing about jobs and school, as bad as they can be, is that they are certain, right? They're predictable, much more predictable. You go to school, they tell you exactly what to do, exactly what to study, exactly when to come, exactly what you must learn for the test. You know, everything is told to you exactly. It's all certain. It's all predictable. You don't really need to make any decisions yourself. Almost none. And same for a lot of jobs, most jobs. You know, they tell you when to come, when you can leave, what exactly to do. They train you to do exactly the job they want you to do. You know exactly how much money you'll get at each paycheck. So it's the predictability. And then, of course, then, with your own business, even though you might make a lot more money, even though you will certainly have a lot more freedom, but freedom can be scary because of less certainty. Suddenly, you have to make every single decision yourself. And no one's telling you which one might is right or which one's wrong or when you must do this or when you must do that. And you will never be 100% certain about any decision. Never. You'll never know for sure if you're making the right or wrong decision or the best decision. It's always probability. You're always working with probabilities, but never 100%, right? It might... Some decisions are quite obvious. They might be like 90, 95%, especially once you have a lot of experience. But other decisions might be 50-50. Other decisions might be, you know, 20, 25% certainty. You're, you really don't know. You're, you're almost guessing. But sometimes you just have to do that because you must decide something. You have to take some kind of action and you try to get as much information as you can. But sometimes you just don't know. And you just have to experiment. You just have to say, well, I'm just going to try this, see what happens. Wait and see. I think that's the root of all this fear I'm feeling in the comments and social media. So I want to talk a little more about that fear of... So I understand that now. I do understand. Fear of the unknown is a very basic human fear. So no need to feel bad about that if you have that. But let's think a little more clearly about it. Because I think there's some, an even deeper level of this fear. Before I started Effortless English, several, several years before, I was in kind of a bad situation. I was tired of being a social worker. I used to be a social worker. I was tired of doing it. And I thought I wanted to become a chiropractor, right? Or do some kind of alternative health, uh, I don't know, career. Because I've always been kind of interested in that. And so I, I moved from my hometown in Athens, Georgia. Moved to South Carolina, a nearby state. And I was planning to go to school to become a chiropractor. But then I took a few classes and I started to do more research and very quickly I realized oh, I don't want to do this no this is not for me definitely not so 
you can see, right? I tested something, I, I, an experiment. I just tried something. Well, I'm going to quit my job as a social worker. I'm going to move and I'm going to go up and start trying to be a chiropractor. And then I, in, a, in just a couple months time, I changed my mind completely. It happens, you know, I've done this many times in my life. Now, did I did I die? No, I survived. It was difficult because I hadn't then I had no job. So then I next I decided, you know, I wanted to be an entrepreneur for, for most of my life. I always had this idea of being independent. In fact, that was one of the reasons I was thinking about being a chiropractor. I thought I could be independent, be my own boss. But there were other things about it I decided I didn't like, especially the part about going to school for four more years. I was finished with school. I'd had enough. And so next I tried this business, um, kind of a multi-level marketing thing where, you know, you join this company, they sell all these health supplements and then you are independent and you sell the health supplements yourself and then you get a commission, like you get a percentage, right? You get a percentage of what you sell. So I thought, oh, perfect, this is great. I don't have to make my own product, right? And I don't need to make my own marketing, advertising stuff, because they, they give you all of that. I just have to sell. So I thought maybe this would work. I thought this could be something good. I thought this could be something that would work, that would be an independent business for me. And so I joined it, and I started trying to sell, and... As most people realize when they start trying to sell, they quickly realize that it was very, very, very difficult. <laughs> that sales and marketing is tough. Okay? So I thought, oh yeah, all I have to do is just do marketing and sales. Well, guess what? When you create a business, you soon find out that marketing and sales it's often the number one thing you are doing. It is often the number one challenge. It is often the number one problem. People think it's the idea. People think it's the, the genius product idea they have or something. They're wrong. No, it's sales and marketing is what it usually comes down to. That's what usually determines, decides if you're going to make money or lose money, especially in the first few years. So I just, just discovered that, in fact, it was very difficult. One of the things about these kind of multi-level marketing companies, it's also called network marketing. One of the things about these companies is they put a lot of pressure on you to sell to your friends and your family. I mean, I think really that's sort of the um, focus of their business approach actually is that they really 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 pressure you to contact friends and family and sell the products to them and oh I didn't like that and I, I still don't like it I think it's a bad approach to business I think it's very bad for, for a few different reasons. Reason number one, the most obvious reason, is that you end up annoying your friends and your family. Right? Suddenly, you know, your friends and your family, you just normally want to have normal social connections with. Suddenly you're trying to sell them stuff. Sell them vitamins and all this other stuff, which is what I was doing. And I felt really uncomfortable doing that. Did not like it. And now when I look back, I, I can realize one of the reasons I didn't like it. I, I understand it from a business mindset. It's bad business. I mean, it's, it's bad social. It's bad social politeness or whatever. Because it's not that kind. If you have a personal relationship with somebody, trying to force a business relationship on them is, is rude. The other problem with it is that it's bad marketing. Because good marketing, with good marketing, you are selling to people who want what you have. You know, people who are looking for what you have or they want what you have. They have some connection to what you have. That's how you, 
you do good marketing and sales. Then you're not forcing yourself, you're not pushing anything, you're actually giving something that people are wanting. In fact, they will often find you, right? With Effortless English, people find me. Oftentimes they find me. I don't need to make a huge effort to sell to people because people who join Effortless English want to improve their English. They want (laughs) to improve their English. Therefore, they're looking for lessons. They're looking for the podcast. They're looking for what I have. And that's great. That's good business. That's good sales. That's good marketing. But with this sort of vitamin business, this network type marketing, it's very different. You're bothering people just because they have a relationship with you. Even if they don't really want it. Like nobody in my family wanted vitamins or supplements. Nobody was asking about that. Nobody was looking for that. So I'm very uncomfortably trying to force that stuff on them and push them and pressure them. And sometimes I think my dad bought some just, you know, I, I, they end up buying something just to try to help you a little bit, but it, it, it kind of hurts the relationship. I think, you know, it, it kind of annoys them a little bit. And I just couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I couldn't keep annoying and pressuring my family and close friends. It just wasn't right. Didn't feel right to me. And so I quit. I I got a result, right? What did I do? I was using, again, I tried something. You know, again, it was an experiment. I tried something. Just like, you know, I moved and I tried the chiropractic thing. And what happened? I tested it. Tested myself. And I found, no, this isn't right for me. And then I learned something, right? This is not right for me. And then what I do? Then I just switched and I tried something else. Okay, I'm going to try this uh, network marketing thing. I'm going to try selling vitamins. I'm going to try selling supplements. So I tested another experiment and I got a result, (laughs) right? Some might call it a failure. I just call it a result. I got a result. The result was I didn't like it. Felt wrong. Therefore, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it well because it didn't feel right. And so I quit. I stopped doing it. Made a decision. Learn some some more things. Now, what happened next? Did I become homeless and starve to death in the street and then become a drug addict? And then I was, you know, buried. No, I'm talking to you now, so you know I didn't die. Right? Just like you won't die. (laughs) Just like you won't die if you fail, if you get a result that you don't want you're not going to die okay you're just going to adapt you're going to learn something you might feel uncomfortable you might be a little unhappy even but you will survive and you'll keep going just like I did that was a tough time in my life I look back I I was quite unhappy in that time of my life it was very tough you know two basically two failures in a row and fairly big failures, right? I moved away from my hometown that I liked quite a lot to some new place just for the reason only to go to this chiropractic school. And in just a few months, I completely changed my mind. And now I was in another town where I didn't know anybody with no job and no money. And I had quit the one thing I was going to do there. Then I tried something else. I'm going to start, you know, have my own business with this network marketing business. I'm going to become independent, right? All these great dreams about that. And again, in just a few months, I got a quote, a bad result. I failed. And I quit that too. 
So I'm not saying that it was fun. I'm not saying I was happy about any of that. I wasn't. It's certainly not what I wanted. I was hoping one of those two things would succeed and be great. But the point is, I didn't die. I didn't suffer anything horrible. I was just kind of unhappy for, I don't know, six months, nine months. I was uncomfortable. I was unhappy. I was broke. But I didn't... I didn't die, I still had enough, you know. I wasn't stupid, so I adapted and I figured out ways to get enough money to eat to, and to have a place to stay, which is all you really need in the end, okay? A safe place to sleep. A place to maybe, you know, just take a, take a bath or a shower and some food. I've been noticing, kind of observing, right? Again, our scientific method here. I've been observing, watching carefully, some young people. By young people, I mean like 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 25, that range. And I'm noticing a bit of a pattern with this generation. First of all, you know, if you read books, you read stories, old, old, old ones up to now, you will notice a pattern. We might call it the natural way of humanity, the natural order. That pattern is this. For almost all of human history, young people have usually been very energetic. Young people, most young people have been kind of bold. Bold meaning, I wouldn't say fearless, but less fearful, less careful, less careful. Maybe that's a good way to say it, right? Young people have usually been known (laughs) to be a lot less careful, to be a lot more willing to jump in and try things. I'm just gonna jump in and try things, right? Sometimes, if you, when we read about, through history, of, about young people, you know, the idea, older people sometimes complain, ah, the young people, they're a little crazy, right? They're a little crazy. They're not careful enough. They don't understand the dangers in the world. They're not careful enough. They're a little too wild. They're too adventurous. But they're young, and they've got energy, and they're you know, full of enthusiasm and they want to get out there and live their life and try lots of things. Yeah! That's that's sort of been the natural way of things. Which is why now I find it very, very disturbing to notice how many young people now are the complete opposite. How fearful and weak and we say Timid, meaning it's the opposite of bold, it's the opposite of wild, it's the opposite of adventurous. Weak, timid, fearful. So many young people that I notice, and I'm talking especially a lot about Americans, are like this. It's it's very unnatural if you compare it to, you know, human history. It's very unnatural for young people in their 20s to be more fearful, more wimpy, more soft than old people who are in their 60s and 70s or even, you know, like me, 50. It's a very strange situation, historically. What's happening? I keep asking myself this too. What is happening? Why are so many, not all, not all, it's never all, we can never say all, but a lot. So many. Why are so many young people now so, I would say wimpy is a good word, so soft and afraid to do anything different, to try anything different. Oh my God. 
I mean, what happened to youthful adventure? What happened to youthful energy and enthusiasm and fearlessness and boldness? This is especially strange if you think about it logically, rationally, and, and ask, you know, why now? Because we live in the safest, easiest time ever in history. Most places in the world. Okay, yeah, there are some a few places where there are wars and fighting, or, which are dangerous, but in most places of the world, right now, it's the safest and easiest ever in all of history for humans. Hundreds of thousands of years, maybe more, of human beings living on this planet, and this is the easiest time ever. So, what in the world is there to be afraid of? Why would young people be so afraid? But I think it's actually connected. I think there's a connection to this. I think it's because the world is so easy that people are becoming so, so, so soft and weak. I think that, in fact, as humans, we need difficulty. We need challenge. We need to test ourselves or else we become weak. Just like, you know, I always use the same example of muscles because it's just so obvious. We, it's so obvious physically. If, if you don't push yourself or challenge yourself physically, if you don't do difficult things physically, you become weak. We all know this. Your muscles get smaller and smaller, weaker and weaker. Your joints get weaker and weaker. You develop little pains. You get less and less and less healthy. On the other hand, the more you push yourself physically and do difficult physical things, intelligently, of course, your muscles get stronger, you get more physical energy, your joints get stronger, everything gets better and better. Well, guess what? It's the same emotionally, it's the same mentally. And I think this, what the problem is, is that young people are living in the most spoiled, easy, soft time ever in history, and therefore, they are the softest and weakest ever in history. And the second reason is the schools are doing this. So the softness I understand, but why the fear? I think the fear comes from the schools. The fear comes from the schools. The schools create all this fear. The schools make people so terrified to fail, to get a bad grade. Oh my God. Like you're gonna die if you get an F. So I mean, what what happens if you get an F? Nothing, nothing. It's just a letter. It means nothing, nothing at all. (laughs) It's just crazy. (laughs) It is absolutely insane the level of fear that it gets created but it happens because they're young they're young and all these old adults are filling them with all this fear about oh what if you get a bad grade oh and then of course all you know the other children too bully them if they're different so that makes this very strong fear of being different in any way of trying to do something a little different and in the schools you know you just you sit there and just like I said earlier You're told to do everything, everything. This, do this, then do this, then do this. Study this, memorize this, read this page, come here at this time, sit down at this time. Okay, now you can get up at this time. Okay, you cannot eat yet. You must wait until this exact time to eat. Now you may eat, and you only have 30 minutes to eat. Hurry up! You know, everything, like controlled, every little minute. And so it creates weak people. Because they never get to make decisions, because they never get to try and fail and 
realize it's no big deal nothing to fear because they never get to do any of this as they're young and at the same time they're getting filled up with all these fears 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 of being different fears of failure fears of judgment fears of uncertainty by the time they are 18 19 20 we get this sad sad situation filled up with all these fears and not even sure why not even sure what they're afraid of exactly not even sure where this fear comes from because at the root what the schools do and you know other things too media and other things but schools especially what they do is they destroy your trust in yourself that is at the very deepest root of this fear, of this weakness, of what the schools are doing. They're destroying your confidence in yourself. They're destroying your trust in yourself. You are given the message from five years old until 22, 25, or older that someone else is always better than you. You can't decide yourself. Someone else always has to decide. Now, of course, for two-year-olds, yes, parents need to decide a lot of things. But it should be parents, not some government bureaucrat employee who's trying to teach your kids a bunch of terrible stuff. It should be you, the parents, deciding that. But of course, good parents, as their children get older, encourage their children to become more and more strong and independent. As the child grows and gets smarter and gets stronger and gets more experience, the parents encourage the child more and more and more to do things themselves, to try things themselves. They let their child fail in safe ways. It's a big part of being a parent. It's not just making sure your kid is always happy, but letting them fail sometimes in a safe way, right? That's the key. It's like, you know, if your child's going to ride their bike, learn to ride a bike, they can't ride a bike. Well, if, if you never let them fall down on the bike, they'll never learn how to ride it. It'll never happen. They got to fall down sometimes. You just make sure they do it in a safe place, right? Not in the middle of traffic where there's lots of cars where they might die. (laughs) That's your job as a parent. But it's also your job as a parent to let them take those chances and fall down and, oh, my knee hurts. Ah, my elbow hurts. Okay. I remember I fell down a lot. My dad would push, push from behind and I would try to ride and then I'd fall. And he didn't get upset and he didn't go crazy. He just said, oh, it's okay. Get up. Try again. And I learned, ah, okay, no big deal. Okay, it hurt a little bit. No big deal. Well, this is kind of a metaphor, right? (laughs) This is an example of what we have to do in, in all areas of life with children. It's a balance of protecting them from real danger, but also encouraging them to try things and fail and get some bad results and, oh... Get, get some bumps, get some bruises, some little hurts and pains. They're no big deal. It's part of growing up. It's part of learning, part of getting stronger. Part, part especially of learning to trust yourself. See, this is the advantage of it. When, when you actually have these failures, when you're allowed to have these failures without judgment, without fear, you quickly learn they're no big deal. They're actually not anything to be afraid of. There's no reason to fear, right? Like learning to ride the bike, falling down the bike the first time was very scary. You know, by the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh time, really stopped being scary anymore. I realized, okay, no big deal. It hurts a little bit, but eh, I can handle it. I can handle it. I learned very quickly. I can handle it. And then I just, ah, I wanted to learn, right? Then I was just focused on, I'm going to keep trying, keep trying, keep trying, keep trying until I can do it. 
And of course I did. I learned how to ride my bike. And then as a kid, I was a crazy little kid on my bike. We, I, we used to do crazy stuff. I look back now and remember, and I kind of laugh about the, the crazy, dangerous things we used to do. <laughs> jumping over these big high things and all the big crashes I had on my bike on the road and the dirt it was so much fun because I learned to be quite fearless about it I learned to trust myself I learned that I could handle that crashing I could handle it I could handle crashing it was nothing to be terrified of See, that's what really, at the, at the, at the center, at <laughs> the core, fundamentally, that's what eliminates so much of this fear, is the trust in yourself. Not trust in me, not trust in a teacher, not trust in an expert, not trust in anyone else, but learning that you can trust yourself. You, and most of all, you can trust yourself to survive failure. Or a bad result or something uncomfortable, or a little pain. That's when you become powerful and unstoppable. When you learn, oh, I can handle it. It's not about being successful all the time. You won't be. That's not the power. Power does not come from being successful all the time. Power does not come from being a master at everything. Power comes from trusting yourself to handle failure, to handle difficult problems, to handle changes, to handle pain, physical pain and emotional pain, to trust yourself to know from experience, not just in your head, but from actual life experience to know I can handle it. I did it. It was a little painful. It was uncomfortable, but I got through it. I got through. I learned, I survived, I'm still here. I'm not afraid of that anymore. This becomes what, what I call a feedback loop of power. Feedback loop of power. What's a feedback loop? Feedback is something that comes back to you. Like, usually information. And a loop is a circle. A loop is a circle. It's like a circle of information. Or a circle of experience. So here's how it works. Step one, you trust yourself. You just trust yourself. I, I can... It, it doesn't matter if I fail. It doesn't matter if I succeed. I'm going to be okay. I'm going to learn. I can adapt. I can learn. I'm strong enough to handle whatever happens. And it takes some faith. Step two, you test yourself. You test yourself. You do something difficult. You do something a little scary. You do something different. You try to go for one of your dreams. You just do a test. You just do an experiment. You test yourself. Then something happens. You get a result. It doesn't matter what the result is. It doesn't matter if it's a big success or a big failure or something in the middle. It, it really, it does not matter at all. Because whatever happens, you discover, ah, I can handle this. I'm good enough, I'm strong enough to handle this. If it's a success, of course it's easy. Great! You're encouraged to go do something else. Try again. But if it's a failure, you might be unhappy. Might not be fun, but you soon realize, I'm still alive, I'm still here, I'm okay. I, I, I'm strong enough to get through this. And then you start learning some things from it. And then you develop, either way, success or failure, more trust in yourself. This is why it's a loop, a circle. So you go back to number one again. Now you trust yourself even more because you have this experience of getting through, of going through that test. So then what do you do? You test yourself again. Probably in a tougher way. Usually in a tougher way because now you got a little more confidence. Now you have a little more power. 
Now you're a little less fearful. So you decide, I'm going to do a bigger test this time. And then boom, you do it. Again, you get a result. It doesn't matter. Big failure, big success, something in the middle. It doesn't matter because either way, you survive, you go through it, you learn something. Now you trust yourself even more. Even more you trust yourself. And because you now have even more power, even more confidence, what are you going to do? You're going to test yourself yet again. And again, probably in an even bigger way. And so you see why this is a loop, a feedback loop. I also call it an upward spiral. Spiral something that circles around and around. Going up, 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 right? It's like each step makes the next step stronger and just keeps going from step one to step two, step one to step two, step one to step two. And each time you get stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. It's this feedback loop of power, this upward spiral of power. And it all starts with having some faith in yourself, trusting yourself. Letting go of those fears, those worries, the, the, the weakness that I'm not good enough, I'm strong enough, oh, what if, what if, what? Just, just test yourself. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. In fact, in some ways, I think in many ways, it's almost better if you fail when you test yourself. At least sometimes. Of course, you don't want to fail all the time. But I think often, especially in the beginning, it's actually even better to fail because that's when you really learn to get that power. That's when you really learn, oh, I can handle this. I'm okay still. Okay, like me. Okay, I move, moving and then changing my mind and not doing the chiropractic thing and then trying that first business and then failing at it again. I think that's actually better than if I had succeeded. By failing, I learned, well, the last, you know, year has really sucked, has been really uncomfortable. I've made some really tough decisions. I've gotten some really bad results, but I'm okay still. So now I'm even stronger. Now I'm even more confident to just try things. There's nothing to fear. I'm just going to try things. So I just went on and I tried the next thing. I got a job next because I needed money. And then I ended up going abroad and teaching in another country. And, you know, eventually that led to here where I am now. So it all worked out very well in the end. I mean, in some ways, if I think about it, succeeding in either of those might have been a really big disaster. If I had succeeded, if I had just decided to keep going with chiropractic school, I might have wasted four years doing more bullshit school and then gotten out and then borrowed a bunch of money and tried to start some chiropractic business with not really knowing what I was doing. And then I might have discovered after all of that that I didn't like it. After wasting four years, five years, six years... So it's actually better that I failed really quickly. <laughs> that I really quickly... I, I would say it's not even failure. It wasn't failure. It's just I changed my mind. I discovered, oh, well, this was a bad decision. I don't really want to do this. I think when I look back, it's actually much better that it, that happened very fast. At the time, you know, my family and friends thought I was crazy. Oh my, you just moved. You just moved. You were going to do all of this and, and you just and you just changed your mind so fast. They all thought I was being weird. But now, thank goodness. Thank goodness I did. And the same with uh, the network marketing thing. It definitely was not for me. I definitely don't like that approach that they had. So again, better that I failed quickly at it and realized this fast and moved on to try other things instead of wasting lots and lots and lots of time trying to force myself desperately to succeed in something that wasn't right. Instead, I failed at both things and I got tougher, I got stronger, I got more faith in myself more trust in myself. That's all you need. That's all you need. That is 
how you beat the fear. You trust yourself. You don't need to be sure about the result. It doesn't matter. The result does not matter because you're not going to quit. So one result means nothing. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you fail five times. It doesn't matter because on number six, you might finally get that success that you're supposed to have. You finally find that experiment, that test that really fits you. But you need to try the first five first so that you get stronger. So you're strong enough to succeed on number six. When you look back over your life, it's easy to see this stuff. But when you're in it, you just have to have faith in yourself. Trust in yourself. This is why I'm so passionate. Why I so passionately hate the school systems. It's this. Because they destroy children's trust in themselves. They destroy people's trust in in themselves. They try to replace it with trust in the big boss, trust in authority, trust in the textbooks, trust in the system, tell everybody what to do at every moment. Fear failure. I believe in my deep heart that that is the number one purpose of schools, especially government schools, to destroy your trust in yourself. Because then you're less dangerous. People who are fearful are less dangerous to people with power. Easier to control. So much easier to control. So trust yourself. Stop worrying about the result. The result doesn't matter. And I could get very spiritual about this. (laughs) If you want to... If you want to... Super powerful uh, lesson about this idea of the result doesn't matter. Just You just need to do what's right. You just need to trust yourself and do what you know is right without worrying about the result. Read the Bhagavad Gita. The Bhagavad Gita, the story of Arjuna and Krishna. That is like one of the mo- ultimate red pills ever <laughs> ever read by, ever known to humanity. One of the greatest works ever in all of human history. Get a translation. One of the primary messages of the Bhagavad Gita is exactly this. It's basically... Okay, <laughs> it's basically, not actually, but I'm giving you the, a very modern slang summary. But it's basically Arjuna, uh, which I've talked about before, Arjuna, ah, uh, what do I do? Uh, you know, just like all the comments I get, I don't know what do I do, uh, he's, he's full of doubt, he doesn't know what to do, and it's basically Krishna smacking him in the head and saying... Stop being a wimp. <laughs> Wake up. Do your duty. Do what is right. And don't worry about the result. The result is not up to you. In the Gita, Krishna makes it clear the result is in the hands of God. And it's none of your damn business. So stop being a wimp and do what is right. That's all I'm saying. The results will work out. The results is the result. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because you're good enough, strong enough, smart enough to get through that result. Learn from that result. Get better. Get stronger. Trust yourself even more. And then the next time you come back, you're smarter. You're wiser. You're stronger. You're ready for more. And this process just keeps going, going, going. That's why people don't, don't understand. Like they look at, I've, I've seen this criticism of Donald Trump sometimes. Oh yeah, well he had to declare bankruptcy one time. One of his companies. Yeah, so what? So what? Exactly. It means he's not fearless. He was in there. He's pl- trying, playing the game. He had a failure. So what? He's a billionaire now and he's president of the United States. I think it worked out pretty well for him. <laughs> it's the same thing. You look at famous sports people. Okay, they don't fail. I mean, they don't succeed every time. They fail. They fail sometimes. Even the best. They have bad games. They make mistakes. 
they keep going they're in the game trust yourself most especially trust yourself to fail let yourself fall off the bicycle a few times telling you this message is a message of love okay this is a message of love (laughs) just like a parent would do for a child encouraging the child to get on the bike and don't be afraid of falling and then after they fall say hey no big deal it's just a cut it's just a bruise get up again come on you can do it keep going no need to cry keep going that's what a good parent does and that's what I'm trying to do with you now Encouraging you to do the same thing, whether it's taking that trip or changing your job or starting that business or whatever it is you dream of. Look, just get on the bike and do it. Just get on the bike. Stop thinking about it so much. Get on the bike. Start pedaling. Whatever happens, happens. Yes, you're probably going to fall down a few times. You're good enough. You'll survive. Keep going. Get back on the bike again. 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 It's just a bruise. It's just a cut. Get on the bike again. Soon you're going to be running fast on that bike. You're going to be pedaling on that bike. You're going to be running on that bike super fast. You're going to be super confident. All you got to do, the only thing you have to do is trust yourself enough to get on that bike again. Love to you. Join my VIP program at EffortlessEnglishClub.com EffortlessEnglishClub.com